0: Welcome to Weston Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Last week, we kicked off our series by talking about holy fear and talking about you can't just love God, but you also have to respect him. Just like in marriage, you need love and respect to balance it out. If there's too much love and not enough respect, your marriage is going to be on the unhealthy side. If there's too much respect and not enough love, it's going to be a bit on the unhealthy side. And it's the same thing when it comes to a relationship with the Lord. That It's not just one-sided. He's not just all lovey-lovey and like, hey, hey nice Jesus. There's more to God than that. All right? And we have to remember, just to recap, that holy fear is a choice, right? You have a choice to walk in holy fear. God has laid it out, but whether you cross the line or not, that is up to you. Walking in holy fear is costly. It means you can't go about as business as usual. You can't do life on your terms. If you choose to walk in holy fear, it is God's will, God's way. It's his boundaries that provide his blessings. Oftentimes we want his will our way. You know, have it your way, and we hope we get all the blessings that come with it. It doesn't work like that. Having a holy fear is trusting God in his fullness, and it's choosing to constantly go deep and intimate with him and not to settle for surface. Psalm 25 verses 12 to 15, it says this, who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity, and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him, and he teaches them his covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. There are benefits to fearing the Lord. So my hope and my prayer through this series is that wherever you started last week in your relationship with the Lord, that by the time we get to next week and get to the end of it, you are that much closer. If you are just in here, or watching online, and you walk out and nothing changes in your relationship with Jesus, you have missed the point. And it's not my fault. (laughs) All right? I'm just doing what God has asked me to do. But if nothing changes in your relationship with Jesus, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with Weston. It actually has nothing to do with the Lord. It has everything to do with you, your posture, your attitude, your spirit and your heart and your mind towards Jesus. So this morning, I want to talk to you part two about something called the benefits of Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for who you are. But we ask now as we deep dive into your word that, Lord, it would transform us. It would, um, Lord, it would prune us And it would draw us closer to you and do whatever it needs to do. We ask in your name. Amen. If you will turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 17. I'm going to be reading from the NLT version. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And it says this. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we also must share in his suffering. If you are watching online right now, say, I am an heir. If you're in the house, say, I am an heir. I am an heir of Jesus Christ. Christ. You need to understand something. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have an inheritance package. (laughs) All right? You are an heir. And with that comes responsibility, responsibility. It comes blessing and life and fruitfulness and so much more. But sometimes, even though we are an heir, we can know it up here, but it doesn't connect here. And as a result, we walk around like we're defeated. We allow the devil to kick our butt most of the time when we don't have to. And life just is, uh. I want you to understand something. When you are an heir of Jesus Christ, It is not just for eternity, but it's for this life here and now. When he died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again from the dead, and he conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave, it wasn't just eternity. He actually cares about your life here and now in the present tense. And sometimes we have this distorted view that we have to wait for eternity, and that's all we hope for, and we're like, "Uh," there is more to Jesus than that. Right? It says in the word in John 10.10 that the the devils come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and give it to the full. But that's not just talking eternal life. It is talking about this life here and now. And everything we need to succeed in this life, to make it to eternity, to advance the kingdom of God, is in this thing right here called the word. And it is our responsibility... To know what is in it, to grow in it, to understand it, and to apply it, and then to walk it out. You were not saved for some day. You were saved for here and now. And you need to know that you are God's advance, or yeah, you're part of God's expansion plan on this earth. God could have chosen anything to expand His kingdom on earth, and He chose mankind. And he made it possible through his son, Jesus Christ. And so, as a believer of Christ, you either are a part of the expansion plan or you're not. But the kingdom of God does not advance without you. And so, in order for us to advance the kingdom on earth, he has given us a benefits package. And his benefits package, I've said this before in a sermon, is the best benefits package there is on earth. You will not find any company that will come close to topping it off. But here is the thing you have to know what the benefits are. And in order to know what the benefits are, you got to, again, deep dive into this. You got to spend time with the Holy Spirit. And you might say, why do you keep saying that? Because there's a lot of us that are biblically illiterate, we don't know what the word says. We know what a podcast might say or what some sermons might say. We might know a few verses, but we actually don't know what the word says on much. And then we base our opinions on what relationship with Jesus on pieces of puzzles put here, there, and everywhere. That makes no sense. But if you want a complete and full picture, you have to study this. And I have learned personally, no matter how many times I read this, I learned something new. Something that I missed before, I learned in a different season. And I will say this, we live in 2023. So if you say you can't read, or you have a hard time reading, or you don't understand, there are so many, there are like thousands of translations of the Bible now, you just need to pick one. (laughs) Just pick one. If you legit can't read, you can listen now on audio. If reading is not your thing, that is okay. You can listen to it. You can, you can listen to audio versions of the Bible that are done to thoma- uh, theatrical music in the background. However you want. We're spoiled in this nation. There really is no excuse as a follower of Jesus Christ as to why you can't get into this. If you say, I don't have time, that's on you. You just need to look at your calendar Right? A lot of us spend maybe half an hour. How many sports fans are in the house? Any sports? If you're in the house online, throw up your hands for a second. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Don't be ashamed. Nothing, nothing. Okay, listen. An average game of sport, depending on the sport, is what? Two hours? Two, three hours? Commercials, you know? And I've been to some live games, and people are passionate. They're awesome. And we will do that no problem in one sitting. Right. But if you took five minutes a day, every day of the week, seven days a week, you only got 35 minutes in a week. That's it of reading the word. That is better than nothing. But I will tell you this, the more you train yourself to do this, the more your spirit is going to hunger for the the word. Five minutes a day is nothing. Nothing. Right? some of us eat lots of coffee, uh, drink a couple cups of coffee, and have some donuts in five minutes, no problem. So reading the word is nothing, all right. And listen, you can say, "Well, I don't understand." Well, let me just tell you something. Newsflash: Jesus said this in His word. The one who is going to come, He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He is your teacher. He will teach you what is in the word. All you have to do is ask and be willing. We have so many resources online that are available to you. You can go to BibleGateway.com. Trust me, there are so many free commentaries online and stuff. You do not have an excuse in this day and age as to why you cannot study or take time to read the word for yourself. But it's because of our biblical illiteracy, we get our butts kicked on this side of heaven by the devil. And we don't know what our benefits are. We don't know what our inheritance is. And as a result, we don't make any difference in the, in the sphere of influence God has placed us. You need to understand that Jesus came not just for salvation. Salvation is a package deal. Okay, It is a whole thing. If you just settle for salvation, that is good. If all Jesus did was die on the cross, rose again from the dead, conquered sin, hell, and the grave, and that's it, and we get to spend eternal life, that would be enough. But the word says that he's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. So he did more than that. So salvation is just the beginning. And you have a choice as you start in your relationship with Jesus, whether you stop right here or if you decide to take some more steps forward towards him, and not just in his presence, but in the things that he has available to you. And there is a benefits package. So let me just tell you first, though, what the opposite of the benefits package is. Because sin, we live in this world, there is a curse that comes with sin. And sin, it's not really a benefit. It might seem like a benefit for a season, but it has its own benefits package, okay? And the reason I'm going to tell you this, because you need to know that Jesus did the exact opposite and brought the exact opposite for everything that the devil and the sin has brought into this world. So let me just tell you what sin has brought, okay? Sin brought death. It brought corruption. It brought sickness and disease. It brought pain. It brought trauma. It's brought selfishness, destruction. It brought addictions. It brought bondage. It brought strongholds. It brought eternal damnation. It brought for you loss of authority, dominion, and power. It brought enslavement and so much more. That's what sin brought. Don't believe me, just look at the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, you could start there, very basic. You will see that after everything he said, it is good. Yeah. It is good. Then when he made mankind, it was very good. Yeah. It was perfect. As soon as sin entered the picture, women, you can thank Eve for pain during pregnancy. Because <laughs> it says right there, one of the consequences was that there will be pain when you give labor. You can thank Eve for that. You can't blame Adam for that one, <laughs> all right? You can thank Eve. But out of it came work in a, in a way that was never meant to be. See, Adam worked before sin had entered the picture, and it was great. Sin entered the picture, and it brought about all these weeds and stuff, and it made working harder. Sin brought its own benefits. And this is why we're told constantly in the Word, we have to choose to live by the Spirit as people of God, and not by the flesh. Because the flesh will chase the benefits of sin, and they will last, and they will fulfill you temporarily, but they will also crush you in the end. Always. Guaranteed. The Spirit, on the other hand, as long as you stay connected to the Holy Spirit, has other benefits that are lasting, long-lasting, and eternal. I will also say this. The benefits package, before we get to it, of Jesus is bigger than you. It is bigger than you. And the benefits package that Jesus has is not just about you. Everything that he has here is for, those that, is for you to advance the kingdom in your place of influence wherever he's placed you. And a reason a lot of us don't walk in the benefits of Jesus is because... We can't be trusted or immature when it comes to some of the benefits packages of Jesus. Or we've got a taste of it, and then we hold on to it. Like a little kid, and it's like, mine, 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 no. <laughs> and we don't share it. It's like all of a sudden we become territorial. You know, it's like growing up. Um, I knew a family that went to a church, uh, The church I attended growing up, and they would always, it looked kind of like this, it was a little bit different, it had orange carpet, that ugly orange carpet, that I don't know if that was from the 70s or whatever, and these crazy pews, but they would sit in a section over here every Sunday, probably three or four or five rows back, and that was their seat, unspokenly. And one day, I witnessed this with my very own eyes. These people walked in, and someone else so happened to sit in their seat. And I was interested to see what was going to happen next. Now, common sense would say, you just go find another seat. You know, God is God, and you're going to encounter them every way. But that's not what happened this particular Sunday morning. This particular Sunday morning, these people who happened to be guests in the house were asked to move from their seats because this was their seat, and yeah, and then later on, a Bible was placed on there, and there was a nice little note that said, please do not remove this, this is our seat for Sundays, all right, I tell you this story, why? Because these things, if we're not careful, we become so territorial, we can scare people away, all right, the house of God, it's his house, we are guests in it, but it's not just for us. It's for others. So if you claim a seat in here, maybe just check it out a little bit. Just check it at Jesus' feet. You know, don't leave your Bible claiming this is yours. We will talk in Jesus' name in a loving way. Right? We welcome everyone here. We want them to experience God's presence. In fact, you know, as followers of Christ, we should be willing to give up our seat for those that are first in, uh, that have never been to this house, so that they can get the best experience possible. That's going above and beyond. Just throwing that out there. Okay. So, some of us, back to what we were talking about, some of us never experience or fully embrace or can walk in God's benefits package because we hold on to it, just like the person who held on to that seat for ourselves. And as a result, because we hold on to a sliver of the benefits, we miss out on the whole pie. Now, you might say, why pie? Well, I like pie, so, you know. And I want the whole thing, not just a slice, especially if it's good. So, say this with me. There is more. There is, more. There is, so, much more. There is so much more. We serve a God that does not provide bare minimum. He is the God of more than enough, not just the minimum. He is not, he's not, he's the God of more than enough, not just the God of enough. You know, if you read the story of when Jesus fed the five thousand, afterwards it says there were twelve baskets left over of loaves, bread, and fish. I want you to think about that for a second, okay? And he approximately fed fifteen thousand men, five thousand, yeah, five thousand men, including women and children. So some people say it could be anywhere to ten to fifteen thousand that were actually fed, and there were twelve baskets left over. There's a second account where Jesus fed four thousand, and it, and there was seven baskets left over. He is the God of more than enough. So I will say this. When he brought Jesus, he reversed the curse of sin. Say this with me. The curse has been reversed. Say this again. The curse has been reversed. And you should be excited about that. But here is the thing. Are you walking in God's benefits package? Are you still walking in the curse? Let me just list some of the benefits that you have in Jesus Christ. We're not going to talk about all of them today, so don't worry. You're not going to be here until 12:30, 1 o'clock. It's all good. But let me just list some of them. And this is not the only list, okay? There is more. You have the benefit in Jesus Christ of authority, of blessing, of deliverance, of divine health, dominion, grace, divine healing, hope, holiness, joy, love, love. Peace, redemption, salvation, restoration, power, and so much more. That's just the beginning. And the most important benefit that you and I have, that the Old Testament did not have, the people that lived back then, is the Holy Spirit. In us, present tense, today, Old Testament, they didn't have that right and privilege. They didn't have that benefit. So as a follower of Christ, we have something that three-quarters of the Bible did not have. So let's talk about some of the uh, benefits today, and I'm going to focus on five of them, okay? Because again, there are so many. And I'm only going to just give you a taste of these things, and then the rest is on you to learn about them, to grow in it. And to apply. So the first one benefit I'm going to talk about, the benefit of Jesus, is the one called authority. As a co-heir with Christ, you have authority over the devil. You have authority over the devil. But the caveat is you must submit yourself to God. Always. James chapter 4 talks about this. We always are good at saying resist the devil and he will flee. But if you go the verse above it, there is a condition. You must submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and then he will flee. If you're not submissive to God's lordship, the devil does not have to flee. Let me say this again. If you do not submit yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ, the devil does not have to flee. Actually, the devil has a legal right to do whatever he is doing if you do not submit to his lordship the lordship of Jesus. You must come under submission. And a lot of us want to resist the devil, but have a hard time submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because in our culture, the word submission is a bad word. We think of this like oppressive, domineering, like, you know, go make me a sandwich type thing. You do as I say, nothing else. That's not what we're talking about here. When you actually have a, understand relationships, and you understand the way God designed relationships, it was never meant to be like one lorded over the other. It was actually to walk in partnership. It wasn't meant to be like, uh, hey, uh, you know, do as I say or else. It was you walk in partnership. You understand, though, in that partnership that Jesus is the master and you're not. When you submit yourself to the authority of Jesus Christ, you understand that you are a steward and a manager here on earth. Nothing is actually yours. You're just the, ga- ga- the gatekeeper and the caretaker. He is the owner. And when you realize that, it actually should change the way you do things. Because he is the master of it, the owner of it all. So let me just talk about this. Colossians chapter 2, turn with me there. I'm going to fire out a lot of the word Because here's why. The Word is all that you need at the end of the day. You don't need to hear me giving all kinds of examples. You just need the Word. Your faith grows by hearing the Word. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. Verse 9, it says this. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So there is a way, the world's way, sin's way, of authority, where it will get you so far. But if you want ultimate authority, you must submit yourself to the one called Jesus Christ, who is the ruler, the name above every name. If you go down three verses to verse 13 in Colossians chapter 2, it says this. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Talking about the devil and his demons. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Okay? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 19. It's also on the screen for you. I'm reading from the NLT version. And it says this, verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler, or authority, or power, or leader, or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. I need you to catch this. Not only in this world, I meaning in the present tense now, but in the world to come. Eternity. Verse 22. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and has made him head over all the things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. John, turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 12, where you can just watch on the screen here. It says, this is Jesus speaking. In my Bible, usually it's a red letter. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You have authority over the devil in Jesus' name. And that authority has been given to you to be a part of God's expansion plan. If you actually understood the authority that you have, you would understand that the devil actually can't kick your butt. Right? If you actually know your legal rights, just think about this in the natural for a second, okay? When you know your legal right on something, and someone tries to push and says you can't do that, but you know... Within the Constitution, in the law, the bylaws of the policy that you can. And I've seen some of you when things don't go the way you need to, and you know your rights, you hunker down (laughs) and you say, I will not bow down. This is my right, and I'm gonna do this. And I stand on this because I have the right to. It is the same thing when it comes to Jesus Christ. You have to know your rights. You have to know the Constitution, which is the word, and the policy before you hunker down and say, Satan, get out of here. That's it. You cannot exercise authority when you don't know the responsibility, because there is a responsibility that comes with the authority of Jesus Christ. Okay? And it is more than just saying the sinner's prayer, it's believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confessing your mouth, right? Meaning you understand that he is Lord. So in order to walk in it, there's a responsibility that comes with it. You don't get to wield it just however you want to and be like, ah. Because there's also a cost if you misuse the authority of Jesus Christ. And it not only affects you, but it can impact the people around you. It can impact your family. Some of us we've experienced church hurt because we've misused the things of Jesus for our own benefit, and it's caused damage. In order to walk in the authority, we have to walk within God's boundaries of it. And then, and only then, will the devil be gone. The devil already knows he's defeated. Do you know he's already defeated? He knows what waits and lies ahead. If you stay close to God's side, walk in holy fear, have a sweet relationship with him, the devil can't touch you. He'll try. Ask Job. Certain things will get in, but God will always get you through. Certain things will get in, but God will always get you through. It doesn't mean, by the way, when you walk in authority that you're not going to have problems. Right? When you walk in the authority... You need to understand something. You better have a close relationship with Jesus. You better be walking hand in hand with him. Or you will get your butt whipped. (laughs) Right? If one demon can't do it, they'll go back. It's biblical. They'll get seven more. So you need to make sure you are constantly filling yourself with the Holy Spirit and walking with the Holy Spirit and being fed by the Word. So you have authority. That's one of the benefits packages of Jesus. You have authority over the devil. But it is up to you to learn how to use that authority, when to use that authority, where to exercise authority, and know your constitutional rights, biblically speaking, and hunker down on them. And that's only the first benefit. The second benefit we have in Jesus Christ is something called dominion. And we don't like this word, because when we hear it, we're like, oh man, this is like crazy. You know, we live in a democratic society. We like to vote. We don't like something, vote it out. Complain about it, put it on social media. It's the way Canada works. But you have to understand that that is not how the Bible works. You don't actually get a vote in the Bible. You can challenge me on it, test me on it, look at it from Genesis to Revelation. Do you know where to say, hey, uh, you know, that one commandment there, I want to vote that. (laughs) I like to amend that out. I like to post on social media how much I just don't like this. You actually don't get a vote. Actually, the Bible runs under something called theocracy, which means God is the ultimate master, king, judge, supreme ruler. And he lays it very straight out, black or white. If you do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, this will happen. Very straightforward. And it's the same thing when it comes to dominion. Dominion, proper biblical dominion, only happens when you submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you operate under the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, you can then walk not just in authority, but in dominion, in your place that God has placed you. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. I'm going to read this here. You need to know that, biblically speaking, it was God's intention from the very beginning for mankind to have dominion over the earth. Not mankind. Not others. But over the earth. And I'm going to prove it to you right here. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Okay, that's important. All right? Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God gave us dominion over the earth, but not over people. And some of us, we think we have dominion over people. In the name of Jesus, you need to do this. Well, no. (laughs) I'm sorry to say, but that is not biblically accurate on any level. You have dominion. So how does this look, what does this look like, practically speaking, here today? Wherever you work, wherever sphere or place you are in, God has allowed you to be there. Some of us, we complain, or we are complaining about where we're at right now. We don't like it. We don't like the people we're surrounded with. For some of us, we don't like our workplaces, whatever. But wherever you're at, God has allowed you to be there. Why? So you can change the temperature of that place spiritually. You are supposed to be the spiritual thermostat in that place. Now, does that mean that maybe you're going to stand up on a soapbox and preach the gospel? No, unless the Holy Spirit actually tells you to, sure, do it. If he instructs you, then go for it. But it is being the absolute best representative of Jesus you can be by the leading of the Holy Spirit in whatever place of influence and sphere of influence you have here and now. So if you are a parent and you are at home, your sphere of influence, your dominion, is at home over your kid, over your kids. That means you protect them from the things of the enemy. You stand in the gap. You teach them the things of Jesus, the things of the Bible, and you cover them and you equip them. It means you stand your ground when the enemy tries to penetrate and you change it. If you're in a workplace... It means you are not the laziest bone in the, in the room. It should be. You should be the most excellent worker there is. You should show up on time. In fact, you should be early. I have this saying, and I, I know how people value me by how they value my time. You show up late. I take that personally. I'm just speaking as a sign of disrespect. You do not value my time. Especially if you show up late and you don't even call or text and tell me you're going to be late. I personally, this is just how I'm wired, take that as a complete sign of disrespect. You will not get my ear next time. That's just how I'm wired. But you value, you respect, you should show up to work, you should show up early. And you don't come wearing your grumpy pants either. You come to work and you do the job well. And we need to stop doing just enough to get by. Some of us are like, I want a promotion, and I need this, and I need that, but we are so, I wouldn't even hire you. (laughs) Like, we're just bad at what we do. It's like, hey, there are a few practical things you should do. You get up, you dress for work, you leave your home life out of it, and you do your job, and you do it well. You serve. You serve. You serve well. If you are the guy that's in charge, you serve your people. You don't lord it over them that you're the supreme ruler, the supreme boss, and then wonder why nobody likes you. You serve them. Doesn't mean you become a pushover, but you serve them. You serve them in the most excellent way. You take care of them. You love them. You show them the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. You respect them. You don't treat them like hirelings. This is what dominion is talking about. Dominion, in your place of influence, in your relationship, it's about putting others above yourself. Right? It's serving. It's in a marriage. I put my wife before me. It's what's we over me. It's not what's best for me. Every time I put my needs before my wife's needs, I lose every time. Even if I win temporarily, I still lose. It is the same thing in the kingdom. And for some of us, we are in our spheres of influence and people don't even know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ because you're too busy trying to blend in. But when you walk in the authority and the power and the dominion of the Holy Spirit, you are not supposed to blend in. You're supposed to be set apart and make a difference. You're supposed to be the hardest worker in the room and you're supposed to do it well. It might mean sometimes going above and beyond even if your boss is crusty. And if they don't know Jesus, you still serve them anyway. And they will ask. Trust me, I speak from experience. My, one of my first jobs I had, my boss was a crusty boss. He had a, tr- a trucker's mouth, A language came out, no problem. No one could satisfy him. Everyone was terrified of him. But I tell you, I happened to get favor and get some promotion and got some raises. And while everyone else was crazy and complaining, I was moving up. Why? Keep your mouth quiet. Get to work. He asks one day, "What's different?" Like I notice, you just come, you do your thing, you're happy, and then it has told him, and he's like, "Huh?" But it got his attention. This is what it's talking about: having dominion. It's not, "I'm up here, you're down here. Do as I say. I deserve this, that." And the next thing, no, it's bringing the kingdom of God to your sphere of influence and removing the darkness so that the veil can be lifted off of people's eyes and so that they can see the real Jesus. So the third benefit we have outside of authority and dominion is healing, divine healing. You need to know this right now that healing is for everyone. I need to tell you this quickly, and I'm not going to spend too long on this, but sickness is not from God. Some of us have this idea that we are sick because God brought it upon us. Well, if we call God a good, good father, then there's something wrong with this calling him a good, good father. That's like me saying to my boys, in order to learn your lesson in life, in order to, I'm going to inject you with COVID, the worst case possible, and let you suffer from it so that, you can grow in your relationship with me. Does that make sense to anyone? In fact, I would probably be, if I did that, you guys would look at me and call me a very bad parent. But somehow we have this theory and this thought when it comes to God that sickness is from him. Sickness did not enter the picture and into the world until sin entered the world. And it corrupted everything. God hates sickness. Or if he didn't then he wouldn't bring healing. If sickness comes from God, then you should not take cough medicine when you get a cold because you're directly going against God's will for your life. Okay? If sickness comes from God, you shouldn't go to the doctor when you are sick you should, because you are rebelling against God's will. Now, sickness is a result of living in this world and sickness stinks. I'm not going to minimize that at all. It stinks. Unfortunately, we live in a fallen and a broken world. And sickness is a byproduct of that. And it does affect us. But you need to know that healing is available and God is not punishing you for sickness. Now, if you live in complete disobedience, sickness is a part of the package. It's biblical. That I can't touch. God says, hey, this is what happens You obey, these are your blessings. You disobey, these are the curses. And sickness happens to be one of the curses. And disease. But God is not sitting up there and he's like, pew, pew, you sick, you sick, you sick. Because you need to learn your lesson. Or else, none of us should go to the pharmacist ever, pick up some Tylenol, Robitussin, you name it. None of us should do anything when we have a headache or a migraine or whatever. We should just endure because we would be directly disobeying what God has. Jesus should not have healed while he was on earth because he would be in direct disobedience to God his Father. And we know from Scripture that Jesus did everything that the Father told him to do and only what the Father led him to do. So for him to heal would be in direct disobedience and violation to the Father, which would result then in him not being perfect. And we have a problem. Now, I don't know why God heals some and doesn't. I don't have the answer to that. That, I can't answer. But I do know that healing is available. And I know it's accessible. (laughs) Psalm chapter 103, verses 2 to 3 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord... And may I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Amen. Key word, all. Didn't say some, all. It's not like, well, I can heal this, but I can't heal that. No. If he is the name above every name, the ruler, the supreme authority, he is above all sickness and all disease. Okay? Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 to 17, it says this in verse 16. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, authority, by the way, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said, he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. By the way, this happened almost approximately five, four to five hundred years after Isaiah wrote that. Okay, that's the time gap. All right? Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Healed all. Divine healing is available to you as a follower of Jesus Christ. God heals unbelievers too, but you can walk in divine healing. In fact... If you go a little further, you can actually walk in divine health, which is much better than healing. And that's a different subject for a different day. But if you, if you actually study the word, divine health is available to those who actually are followers of Jesus Christ. This is where dominion and authority knowing your word come to pass. If you don't know, you might struggle. Listen, the areas you struggle with when it comes to your relationship with Jesus are usually the areas you know nothing about. Or you lack very little knowledge. Or you've had one bad experience, but you've never actually looked it up to figure out what's going on. And then you base your whole theology on that. Which is, by the way, bad theology. That is Bible College 101. You have to take the word and look at it. And so healing is available to you. The fourth benefit. And this one, for some of you, might stir some things. But it is prosperity. God is interested in your success as a human being and in your financial well-being. Now, what that looks like is different for each person. But let me tell you this. If you are a part of God's advancement plan to advance the kingdom on earth, then he is very well invested in your success. And I'm not just talking material wealth, by the way. For some of us, we look at this and we're like, oh, I have to have all these things. No, some of us, we have our priorities out of whack. We pursue material. There's nothing wrong with nice things. But God wants you to be successful so you can expand his kingdom, so you can bring honor and glory back to him. So that people can see, listen, the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, the Egyptians knew they were blessed. When they were in the wilderness, the other kingdoms around them, you can read this for yourself, they knew they were blessed. They knew they. you could not touch them. And as a follower of Jesus, your success matters to him. But you have to do your part. This is the however. You have to do your part. Oftentimes we sit here and if we're honest, we're like, Lord, give me a raise, give me a promotion. I need more money. You know, I'd like to have more money. I want to get out of debt. I need to do that. But we don't do our part. And God's like, okay, I'll give it. If I gave it to you now, you wouldn't know what to do. Some of us, if God gave us $10,000 right now, it'd be gone just like that. And he's like, well, I gave you what you asked for, but you're bad stewards of what you have. We have a responsibility. Again, all of the benefits that come with Jesus also come with responsibility. And Jesus is interested in your success. And he also, biblically speaking, gave you guidelines for finances and material wealth and stewardship. He told you, give him the first. That's just the basic. And you can sit there and argue all you want about that's an Old Testament principle and Jesus did it away. Listen, you can stand before God one day and have a theology debate. You'll lose. But go ahead. Go ahead. You get caught up in that, I, for me, you're wasting time. There are many other things that matter. The principle of first is all throughout the Bible. The Sabbath, you set aside a day of rest to make him first. Right? Cain and Abel talked about this a little bit last week. Abel gave his best. Before there was even a law that said to do this, he gave his best. Cain gave some, right? Jesus even talked about this. He said, you know, you give this, you give you this, but don't neglect this. And he was talking about the tithe. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. Jesus didn't say do away with it. Even the early church, you study it enough. They knew. They understood generosity. They understood that 10% was the bare minimum. Right? The first 10% redeems the other 90. Okay? This is very simple. It's, it's God's succession plan in wealth. You give him your first 10, your first dollar out of your $10, and it actually blesses the other 90. It reverses the curse. It removes the curse, and it redeems the rest. I know what it is like to live... Under the curse of not tithing and what it is to live under the blessing of tithing. True story. I know what it is when I, you know, I've been in moments where, you know, you start out in ministry, you start out in life, and you're poor. (laughs) Barely can rub two pennies together. (laughs) And, you know, I fell into the trap of, "Eh, you know what, if I don't tithe, I will have a little bit more for later. You know what I found out? The moment I stopped tithing, I never had enough. The more the bills piled up, the more my money just kept cycling through like water. And I just could not figure out where it was going for the life of me. Why is it every time I get a paycheck, it's all gone? Then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, I have to repent. Started tithing. Started doing my stewardship properly. If my finances, you know, live on a budget. For some of us, we want to live like millionaires when we shouldn't. You know, if you're just starting out in life, you're not going to have all the nice things. You need to, you know, have some cookies and whatever, maybe mac and cheese for a little bit until you get to where you're at. You build. But some of us want the filet mignon and all that stuff, you know, and we start paying now. You know, we start playing now, but we're going to pay 10 times later in life right and and you know you have to understand that while God is invested in your success he's not going to bless your mess if you're a bad steward god wants people he can trust and that's why some of us don't get to enjoy all the benefits all the time because he just can't trust you with what you have because you haven't been fruitful and multiplied what has been put in your hand already if you're not good with $100, you will not be good with $1,000. If you stink with $1, you will stink with $10. Right? If you can't keep God first in your resources, in your finances, it affects everything else. So he is definitely interested in your well-being. He wants to see you succeed. But you got to follow his financial plan in the Bible. And do you know that God talks about finances more than anything else in the Word? More than prayer. More than healing. Your finances matter. And all throughout the Bible, God has a system for wealth. God has a system for success. A lot of us are just too lazy to put in the work to get it done. Right? Paul talks about this. If you don't work, you don't eat. In fact, he says this. You can look this up yourself. But if you're unable to provide for your own household, you are worse than an unbeliever. Paul's words, not mine. You are worse than an unbeliever. Laziness is a product of sin. Laziness is not godly. If you are lazy and expecting God to bless that, he will not. When God created the heavens and the earth and he created mankind, he gave Adam a job right away. Adam's first assi- right away he created him. Okay, go name everything. <laughs> That's work. He put him to work. He didn't say, oh, just look around and be like, ah." No, he put him to work. Work is a good thing. As long as it's in God's boundaries. For some of us, we do too much work and we don't know how to rest. And that's a subject for another day. But God blesses work. Now, if you can't work for reasons that are beyond your control, then you know what? God will take care of you. He has a formula for that too. Right? Because there are people, widows, you know, orphans, those that are sick, that God calls the house, his house, to take care of. You look at the early church, you think about it. Their generosity was above and beyond, that no one had need. No one had need. They were so consumed by God that they sold all that they had to take care of everyone. Would you be willing to do that for someone here? Just saying. Just throwing it out there. So God is interested in your success. John chapter 15, verse 2, you can read it on your own, but he talks about this. Like, you have to be connected to him to produce fruit. If you're not connected to him, you won't produce fruit. You cut off, you pruned, you go into the fire. Done. But if you produce fruit, he will prune you, and you'll continue to produce more fruit. And that's not just talking spiritual fruit. That's talking in every area of your life, by the way. You can read this on your own sometime, but 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church here, and he's talking about what you sow, you will reap. And he's talking financially. It is not a metaphor. He is talking financially. You sow this, you will reap this. Right? You spend all your money on foolish things, you're going to reap debt. You lack self control in the area of finances and you sow wild oats, you're going to re reap that. But if you stick to the biblical plan and you sow proper biblical financial seeds, you will reap godly biblical fruit. And it will not only bless you, but it will bless others. And a lot of us, we're carrying around things that we shouldn't be because we have not followed the biblical principles of stewardship. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read verse 30 for you here, but it says, And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? It is interesting when you look at nature and you just watch. Grass always has what it needs to grow. If you don't water it, you did nothing. You just follow. Grass has everything it needs to flourish. If you watch the animals, like in our backyard right now, I'm watching the squirrels. They're already building in the tree. They know instinctively where to get the stuff and to build whatever nest they need for their babies. They have everything that they need. They just know to do it. They know and they trust that God has the resources there and they're going to be taken care of. They know when it's winter time where to go to hibernate for the winter. That would be awesome if we could hibernate for the winter. But anyways. But they know where to go. And God is saying to us, in the same way that nature trusts in him, and they don't even have a spirit. They just, they know. This is the system that's in place. We as human beings who are created in his image need to trust in his system and that he will provide as long as we follow his system. Again, God's blessings provide, or happen within God's boundaries, and God's boundaries provide his blessings. Outside of that, sorry about your luck. And the last benefit I want to talk to you about today is freedom. If you will turn with me to John chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 34 to 36. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. This is talking to believers right here. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. You have a choice. Jesus Christ died, went down to hell, took the keys, put Satan under his feet, conquered sin, hell, death, and the grave, came back up, rose again on the third day, and brought freedom for you. And he makes it available for you daily. But you have a choice as a believer to either be a slave to the things of God or to be a slave to sin. You either are led by the flesh or led by the spirit. There is no middle line. In the kingdom, there are no middle lines. You need to know that. When you read your Bible, kingdom principle, there are no, there's no middle ground. It's either you're on this side or you're on that side. That's how God operates. It's not like, oh. No, It's either you're all for it, all in for him or you're not. You're, you're loyal to him or you're not. And if, for sin, it's the same thing. It's either you're loyal to the sin or you're loyal to the flesh, loyal to the flesh or to the spirit. He came to bring us freedom from strongholds, addictions, all that thing, and sometimes it's instantaneous, and sometimes it's a process. God knows what you need and how to do it for you. But during that, once you get freed from it, you have a choice as to whether or not you walk back in it or you continue to walk forward. Again, you have to do the work. (laughs) You have to do some stuff. God's not just standing there saying, here you go and giving it to you on a silver platter because you don't know what to do with it. You have to, hey, you have to make choices. So if TV is the thing that you're addicted to, you need to put a plan together I need to watch less TV. You need accountability. You know, if it's shopping, then you need accountability. If it's bad stewardship of your finances, you want freedom. God has a plan for that. You didn't get there overnight. You're not going to get out overnight, but you have to put the work in. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 21, it says this, and this is Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, which is salvation. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, which is freedom from bondage, and recovery of sight for the blind, which is physical healing, and to set the impressed free, which is talking about inner healing, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, this is my favorite part of this. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on them, and he began by saying to them, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus came to bring freedom to you. If you are struggling with a stronghold, if you're struggling with some type of addiction, and you know Jesus, there is freedom for you, but you have to confess it first, and then you gotta follow the plan he has for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we wanna hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.